We're going to start in verse 22 this morning, Matthew 14, verse 22. It says, In straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. We'll pray again before we continue. Again, Lord God, as we turn to your word this morning, um, a story almost unbelievable in the details of it, Lord, but it's in your word and we believe that it is true. And Lord, help us as we look at this to grow in our faith and to trust you, trust your word, that we can depend on it to guide us, to direct us, and to lead us in all manners, all decisions, all things that pertain to this life, Lord. Help us to grow as we look at this passage again. And help me as I speak this morning to be to be clear and that I would be helpful in some way in the words that I speak this morning. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. So if you remember as we go through this chapter and we didn't really go through the, the beginning of the chapter but it covers where uh, Herod had taken the head of John the Baptist and we see that story and then as Jesus hears of this story and what took place, it says he departs by ship into a desert place. He, he gets into a ship to go to be a, away from people, and the crowds followed him. And it ends up with the story of him feeding the 5,000 plus women and children. And now... At the end of that story, it moves directly into this. It says, and straightway. So it's not like, you know, days later, a week later, a month later, 
this is straightway, like, this is a, a continuation of this story. It says, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. And other passages make the statement that that crowd would have taken Jesus at that moment and made him their king. They were going to forcibly put him in a position of rulership over them because they understood that he was the Messiah and that was his rightful place. But that wasn't Jesus' purpose at this point. And so, to avoid that situation, he sends the disciples away first, and then he disperses that crowd. And it says, in verse 23, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Jesus took time for solitude. Jesus saw the importance of spending time alone in prayer to get away. Remember last week when we were talking about him feeding the 5,000, the main point was that he didn't want to send the crowds away. He said it was important that the disciples said, you feed them. Don't send them to town to go scrounge for their own food, but you feed them. Don't send them away. Let them stay here. Let them be with us. And so he, he loved the people. He loved serving the people. But at the end of it, he needed a time alone. He needed to escape from all of that for a period of time to refresh himself. Um, and to refresh himself, particularly in prayer, in time with communion with the Father. You hear many times of missionaries that have burned themselves out, basically worked themselves to death. They go onto a mission field and they just never stop. And I know of stories of missionaries who have destroyed their families, destroyed their entire life, burned themselves out completely to serve God on the mission field. And I see that Jesus, well, he gave his life on the mission field, but he didn't burn himself out. He didn't allow that to happen. He took time to take care of the people that were important to him. He took time with his disciples, and he took time by himself, time alone time to refresh himself. It's interesting. I, every Sunday afternoon when I get home, <laughs> I am more exhausted than if I had put in a full day of hard labor <laughs> somewhere. And I need to sit down and rest for a time after Sunday morning. And it's not that I, I thoroughly enjoy the time visiting with people. I, I enjoy the time studying and preparing 
I enjoy the time preaching. But when I'm done, and when I get away, I'm exhausted, and I need some time to, to be refreshed. I need some time alone when this is all over. And I see that Jesus had that need, and he took care of that need. He took that time aside. And so Jesus had a need, and he took the time for solitude. Now as we carry on in this passage, the next thing that comes up is this storm. Jesus sent the multitudes away into, and he went to a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. In verse 24 it says, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. When we see this storm come up, the disciples have been sent before Jesus. He sent them away before he sent the multitudes away so he could have this time alone. And he sent them out into the ship. And then a storm comes. And when you see that storm come, it should remind us of several other stories in the Bible. And there's a couple of storms in the Bible that lead up to this and, and kind of flow from this. And the first of those would be Jonah. And we, we know the story of Jonah well. And God called Jonah to go and preach to Nineveh. And Jonah refused to do that. And he tried to run away from God. And as he's running away from God, he gets in a ship. And while he's out on that ship, God sends a storm. And the people in the ship do everything they can to save that ship from sinking in the storm. And they're tossing everything over. And they're all praying to their gods. And when it comes to Jonah, where do they find him? They find him sleeping, <laughs> hidden in the bottom of the ship. And they pull him up and say, what are you doing? And when Jonah is questioned, Jonah realizes that this storm is there because of him, because he's running from God. And he tells the people, you have to, you have to toss me into that water to get this storm to stop. To save your lives, you need to toss me in. And they did everything they could to avoid doing that. And in the end, they gave everything they could but they couldn't prevail, and so they threw Jonah in, and the storm stopped. And of course, we know that God had another plan for Jonah, and we don't need to get into the rest of that story, but we see that in this storm, Jonah was running from God, and God's using that storm to get his attention and to redirect him back to where God wants him to be. And of course, sometimes the storms in our lives are there for that purpose. It's to change our course of direction. If we're heading away from God, sometimes he'll send a storm our way, send some kind of trouble in our life to get our attention, to turn us 
back to him. If you want to turn back with me to Matthew chapter 8, there's another storm shows up then. Jesus is with his disciples. And in verse 23 of Matthew 8, it says, And when he was entered into the ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep, kind of like Jonah. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? And so in this storm that takes place with the disciples, they're in the storm with God. God is with them in the storm. This is a little different than with Jonah, isn't it? They're serving God. They're following Christ. They're doing what God wants them to do. And a storm comes anyway. But they need to remember Christ is with them in that storm. God is with us in some of these storms. And sometimes God just wants to know do you trust Him? Are you going to believe that He is going to take care of you the way that He said He would? Jesus is sleeping in this ship that's in this storm. The waves are crashing over top of the ship and Jesus is asleep and they wake him. And in verse 26, Jesus says to them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Why do we fear? Why do we worry? about the problems in our lives. If it's not, if the problem isn't there because of our sin, because we're turning and running away from God, if we're serving God, doing what we're supposed to be doing, and a storm comes, why do we worry and fret over these storms? Why do we not trust God? Their statement to him is, Lord, save us, we perish. Where is their faith? Do they not believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, that he is the creator, the master of the wind? And you see the response even after Jesus calms the storm. It says, what? The men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Why are we amazed when God gets us through these horrible trials that we go through in life? Why are we amazed 
that things turn out for the better in these storms that we go through. It's for our lack of faith. And so, sometimes Jesus shows himself to us by calming the storm. Saving us from the storms. There's another storm after the Gospels in the book of Acts, if you want to look at that one with me. Acts chapter 27, right near the end, and the Apostle Paul is a prisoner at this point, and he's in custody and being taken to Caesar because he has appealed to Caesar. And the crazy thing in this story is that he could have been released prior to this point if he hadn't appealed to Caesar, and yet his appeal to Caesar requires that these soldiers take him to Caesar. And so in this process, they're on a ship and they're traveling. And they had come to a certain point, and Paul had warned them that they ought to stop and wait out the season of storms that was upon them at this point. But the weather was good at that moment, and the captain of the ship says, no, we're going to carry on. We get to verse 14, we'll pick up there and read the story. It says, but not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps, undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quickstands, strake sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about the mid about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country. And it carries on and we, we see the the ship crashes and everybody 
is saved alive from this storm. Now, Jesus wasn't in the boat. He wasn't right there. But you see Paul's attitude? Paul trusted God. Verse 23 said, For there stood by me this night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not. And he says, Be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Paul has faith, regardless of the storm and how dire the circumstances looked. Paul believed God. Paul completely trusted that God was in control no matter what it looked like in his life at that moment. And we see the results of Paul's life as he wrote to all these churches while he was in prison, he preached to Caesar and to Caesar's household, and many were saved because of it, because Paul had faith. He trusted God through the storms. And again, in Matthew 14, we see the disciples are out in a boat and they're in a storm. And Jesus isn't in the boat with them at this time. It's a circumstance much like what Paul was facing when Paul said, I believe God. Paul trusted God to get him through this storm and that God's will was going to be done no matter what it looked like. And the disciples are out in the storm. And now Jesus heads out across the water, walking across the water to meet them. Verse 25, I'll read it again. It says, and the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out in fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Now, they were fearful seeing Jesus walking on the water, and I can imagine you're in a storm and you look out and you see a person standing there, and well, okay, there's, <laughs> this isn't a normal circumstance. But Jesus' response to their fear is, be of good cheer, be not afraid. And I like Peter's response in verse 28. It says, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Can you imagine you in Peter's position in a storm on a boat 
You can hardly see, and there's a person out there that's claiming to be Jesus. Are you going to say, if it's really you, ask me to come out there? Would you trust what you're seeing to say that to it? And I got to give Peter the credit of obviously he believed his own eyes, he believed the voice that he's hearing that says not to be afraid because it's, it's Jesus. And so Peter says, bid me to come to you on the water if it's really you. And verse 29, Jesus says, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. I remember as a kid at the swimming pool, trying to have enough faith to walk on the water. <laughs> you step off the pool deck to the water and no matter how many times I tried it, not once did I make a single step across the water. And if you run really fast, you cover more distance, but you're still sinking at the same rate. I never had the faith that Peter had when he looked at Jesus and trusted him in this storm that he could walk on the water. He could... There's no fear of sinking in a ship if you can walk on the water. <laughs> and he looks to Christ and he steps out of that boat and he walks across the water. Verse 30 says, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. When we've come to Christ, when we've believed Christ with our life, we're trusting Him to get us through. As a new believer, we often see new believers step out in faith in ways like Peter that just don't seem reasonable. <laughs> they do things trusting God the most ridiculous ideas in the most ridiculous ways. And praise God for it. Those of us who are too mature in our faith to actually trust God with such foolish ideas. that, But that's what God wants. I think too often we end up more like this moment in Peter's he had stepped out. He walked on the water. I don't know how far he walked. But this gust of wind came up and got his attention. The storm comes and gets our attention sometimes. Even when we're trusting God to get us through these storms. Sometimes some extra little gust will come. Some turn of events that we weren't expecting. And we turn back to fear. And we begin to sink. And sometimes we get stuck at that moment and we forget that we can trust in Christ. And so we stop trusting Him with the ridiculous, with the extreme, and we never step out of that boat ever again. But we're supposed to.
verse 30 again says, But when the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. God is a God of salvation. And when we cry out for salvation, he'll respond. When we put our trust in him, even when we've turned away in fear and we begin to sink, we can turn back to him and cry out, save me. And what does Jesus do? He says, you doubted, you're on your own, swim. (laughs) That wasn't his answer. It says, immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Why, why are you doubting? You see me here. You, you've seen all that I've done. I've gotten you through so many storms in life. And you still doubted. But it wasn't, a, you're on your own. This was a, immediately he reached out his hand and he lifted him back up. We often forget that Peter is back walking on the water at this point. He pulls him out of the water and he is back walking on the water side by side with Jesus. We need to remember, no matter how many times we falter, how many times we begin to sink and lose our faith, we can still turn back to Christ and immediately he will respond and pull us back up and walk side by side with us. Verse 32 says, And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Isn't that amazing? It wasn't when Jesus lifted him up out of that water that the wind ceased. The storm was still there as he's walking side by side with Christ. God didn't take away the storm at that moment of fear for Peter. He let the storm remain while he showed him his salvation, while he showed him that you can get through this storm and you can trust me in spite of the storm. It wasn't until they were back in the ship that the storm ceased. Do you see... to turn to Mark chapter 9 and look at a a similar response here. We see Jesus responding when Paul or when Peter is lacking in faith. Christ reaches out his hand immediately and grabs him and secures him. Go to Mark chapter 9. I'm going to read a bit of the story here. Starting in verse 14, it says, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude of both them and the scribes questioning with them. 
And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitudes answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered him, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, How long it is, a, is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter into him no more. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Remember Peter, as he's sinking in the water in that storm, Jesus reached out his hand immediately when he called for help. This father is coming to Jesus, crying out for help. Can you do something for my son? And Jesus' answer is, if you can believe, if, you, if you'll believe. And when he responds, he says, I believe, I'm trying to believe anyway, help my unbelief. How honest was that? He didn't just, yes, I believe, with this false faith, with a doubting heart. He admitted his doubt. He admitted, he's gone through life. It says, I don't know how old the child is at this point, but it says from, he was a small child, and now, presumably, he's probably pretty near a grown man in this condition, and this father has tried everything. He's gone to the disciples, and they failed. Everybody has failed to this point. And so you can imagine he would have some doubt. And so he's honest with Christ that he has some doubt. When we see Peter sinking in the water, we see his doubt. It was he looked at the storm instead of trusting Christ and he began to sink. This is the same situation. Just more common to our day-to-day -day experience. This man is sinking in his doubt. But he's still crying out to Christ, realizing that if anybody can save him, it's Jesus. 
And Jesus didn't say, you need more faith before I can heal him. He immediately reached out his hand. He casts out the devil and he reaches out his hand and he lifts him and raises him off. That's, he, he rebukes the lack of faith, but at the same time, he gives reason to get rid of that doubt. He answers the prayer. He is a God of salvation, and he gives salvation when it's asked for. When people reach out and ask God for help, God helps. He doesn't, this is, he wants us to have faith. He wants us to be like the Apostle Paul was in that ship, trusting God in spite of the storm. But sometimes we have doubts. Sometimes we turn and we look at the storm and we turn back to our fears and doubts. But if we'll just look to Christ and ask God once again, save me, he might say, why are you doubting? <laughs> but he's not going to withdraw his hand. He's going to reach his hand and he's going to help you. He's going to offer the salvation that you're seeking. At the end of that verse in Matthew, at the end of the story in Matthew chapter 14, Verse 33 says, Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Didn't these people just see him feed 5,000 plus people with a single bag lunch? Didn't they see him healing probably hundreds of thousands of people? of all manner of diseases, casting out evil spirits, doing all these miracles. And now at this moment, they say of a truth, thou art the Son of God. How often do we need to come back to that basic level of faith when we've had doubts that God was there for us through our storms. And we cry out for help and he saves us. This needs to be our response of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Salvation is in Christ. And he is there, he loves us, and he will save us from the storms that we face in this life. Let's pray. Lord God, we're just thankful that you are the master of the wind. You are the creator of this world and you are all-powerful, able to save us from each and every storm that we face, God. Help us to be like Paul, follow his example of faith, trusting through the storm, never doubting your intention 
or your salvation through that storm, Lord. Help us to trust you in every circumstance in our lives, Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.